Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 3, Episode 4, and continuing with our 2023 Witcher read-along, we are discussing Sword of Destiny by Andrzej Sapkowski, the second short story collection before we get into the full-length novels, and this was a new one for me. They're, yeah, I was going to say, they're all new after Last Wish for you, right? Yes. Yep. That is as far as I had gotten previously. So, um, but I enjoyed this quite a lot, actually. What did you rate? Uh, four and a half. What did you rate Last Wish? That's a good question. What did I rate Last Wish? I think the first time I read it, it was a four. And I think I bumped it up. But I can't remember if it was a four and a half or a five. So I have to look. But I was, it, it was funny, that one had kind of a framing device, whereas this doesn't. It's just a series of stories. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Which I wasn't necessarily expecting. It was kind of interesting. Uh, I gave The Last Wish four and a half stars on rereads. So yeah, same rating, I guess. Same rating. I gave The Last Wish five stars both times that I read it, and I gave Sword of Destiny four stars both times that I read it. Okay. So clearly, I hated it. Clearly. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> it was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, I really enjoyed this, and I thought it did some interesting things. This time, I actually wrote down what all of the stories were and like a note of what they were about so I could actually remember all of them which I did not do with the first one so gamey <laughs> I have sirens passing now of course of course um so we're gonna talk I guess sort of spoiler free thoughts initially and then we'll dive into uh, a spoiler discussion and then we're thinking for because we do bonus content for patrons for all of our episodes. So for this episode's bonus content, we're going to be discussing monstrousness in folklore and fairy tales and The Witcher and in other things, which should be fun. So if you want to toss a coin to your podcasters, <laughs> um, you can join us on Patreon. The link is below. I, I see I worked it in that time, Leanne. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very proud. I'm very proud. Thank you. Should be, should be. Um, so hello, everybody. I see we've got some people joining us tonight. Hopefully this will be fun. Feel free to chime in with your thoughts on this. Um, how, did, how did you feel about this? You clearly liked the first one, the first collection better. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's not because of the framing narrative, but um, I think the first one, it's it works better as like, isolated episodes that like are well they're all they are introducing things for this larger story in this world and and getting you acquainted with things that are become important for the main series they still feel more like these kind of like isolated adventures that you can read kind of like these are like separate though connected stories whereas sort of destiny feels like it's it's like in this weird limbo because we're not in the main series yet, but it doesn't really feel like isolated stories in the same way. Like it is, they're building off each other. They're building off of last wish. Like they, they mm -hmm. feel so enmeshed in everything else right now. So then it's just like very strange to have it still structured kind of as short stories where I'm like, but you're not though. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because it feels more like an anthology than a thought out collection, if that makes sense. Almost as if if he had sort of written these separately, tying together and then put them. What is happening? <laughs> my cat started playing with the cord. That's my oh, camera, no. and there's sirens outside. <laughs> and then like I threw Oof. something so she'd run and get it. So then she like did, but then like almost knocked over my old computer. And the sirens are getting louder. <laughs> it's just it's <laughs> a very professional a filming studio. Here. <laughs> very very professional here. We're doing great. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Dirty dirty pause at work. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, so I did think it was interesting because I know the first collection, Last Wish, is very much fairy tale retellings. And I knew this wasn't going to be, but there are still some nods to fairy tales that are getting subverted, which I thought was fun. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> like, Sword of Destiny feels like it's really like smack dab between. Like, they always talk about mutants, right, in this series. And it feels like this, like, mm -hmm. mutant half-child between, like, the main series and the short stories from Last Wish. Because it's, like, we're still kind of trying to do these short stories, still kind of doing some fairy tale retellings. But, like, mostly it's, like, I want to get to the main series already. So I'm basically going to start the main series, but, like, pretend like I'm telling short stories. And it's just kind of this, like, frustrating limp. Kaz, this is frustrating limbo. <laughs> has this on a roll tonight um yeah I I mean I think that's fair I like I don't think as a collection it stands together quite as strong but I did really enjoy all of the stories for different reasons and I do think that it gives us more insight into who Geralt is his relationship with Yen and um we get Siri introduced. So there was there's a lot that happens in this book. And I I feel like we we understand the characters in the world a lot more. Sirens. Oh no. <laughs> it's a busy night in uh, it's Los complete Angeles. Chaos. I swear it's been it's been pretty quiet today because like we've been having a lot of rain lately. So it's just like no one's out and about, but the rain did stop, so <laughs> Great. So people are trying to drive and don't know how. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what my cat's problem is. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, like that's why I give it four stars because I do still enjoy it. And like this is, um, it is doing. A, that's why it's also not skippable because uh, like it's doing a lot to set up what we're gonna get in the main series. Um, it doesn't entice yeah. for that, but that's what it. It feels like um, a chapter sampler. You know, it feels like. It's just kind of like teasing you with some like, here's what's gonna be a thing in the main series. So yeah, I just find it like structurally kind of frustrating. And that's why I have to talk at a star. Yeah, which is, you know, fair. I, I, don't, I can't tell if things are slow on my side or your side. People tell us in the comments uh, but I'm going to like prioritize my computer on our internet in case it's me. <laughs> Everything seems fine from my person, from my end. Okay. Maybe Kaz is All sabotaging right. us. It may be Kaz. It is entirely, entirely possible. Um, so how do you want to approach this? I mean, I feel like, I feel like because 
we could just go story by story for this one. There aren't as many as there were in The Last Wish. Do you want to? There's more, there's more sirens now. <laughs> sure. That's what good. Good. Do. Okay. Let's do that. And in the meantime, let's look at our comments section on YouTube. Ursula says, I really wish they'd done the audios with a full cast of the people from Witcher 3. Oh, okay. Like the video game. That's an interesting idea. I do think the audios are good. It is funny to me though, that, um, also, the reason you can't hear the sirens is because Liana is muting herself so that you can't hear the sirens. But I do I do think it's funny that in The Last Wish, they called it, it was, we had Dandelion in the audiobook, and in this one, it's Dandelion, so they can't seem to make a decision as to how we're going yeah, to well, pronounce it. The first name. time the first time I read these books, I read The Last Wish physically, and then the first audio I did was Sword of Destiny, um, mm -hmm. where he was Dandelion. And I then thereafter, he's Dandelion again forever. And so I had thought that he would just been Dandelion for the first two. I didn't realize oh, that at last wish he was Dandelion. Because like I started at Sword of Destiny and he was Dandelion mm -hmm. and then it changed. So like it feels even stranger that it changes twice instead of like yeah. Dandelion up until we decide no Dandelion. It's like Dandelion, 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 like... Ugh, That's what the heck? so interesting. I wonder if they just got somebody different for this audiobook, or I, I don't know what happened there. Weird. Uh, Matt says, turns out self-aware monstrosity struggling with destiny is my thing. <laughs> Who knew? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the first story is The Bounds of Reason, and this this was one that I know was in the Witcher show, but I couldn't really remember what happened until after it happened. And I was like, oh, right. That's that was the thing. This was the one with the golden dragon. And we got a lot of information about Yennefer and her infertility, which I thought was really interesting. I feel like I really like her as a character because she is, yeah, like people think she's hot, but there's a lot more to her than that. And I feel like her characterization is pretty nuanced. And this infertility issue of like what she had to give up to become a sorceress and what she's willing to sacrifice to try to get that back ends up being really interesting. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about sexism in this series um, or in these books last time. And I mean, Dandelion or Dandelion or Yaskier or whatever you want to call him, he's much more of a caricature than most of the female characters. Like, Jennifer's not a caricature. Siri is not. Triss Marigold, I don't think we saw her yet. Did we? Yeah. So, Triss Marigold, like, the, there's a lot of female characters, and I don't think any of them are caricatures. And then the main male character is Geralt. And there are other male characters, but I just feel like there's like right. a lot more females and a lot more females that are not like just throwaway characters. Yeah, no, I think they're handled pretty well and they're interesting. I really like Yennefer as a character. I mean, I know she's, you know, not, not. I think Yennefer, best, I think Yennefer is like, she's like can form a club with uh sabatha and denna from yeah. the gentle ambassadors and the king killer chronicle of like the female that like our main male character is obsessed with and mm -hmm. that readers are like oh why 
Which is funny because I feel like I always end up liking those characters, even though apparently that's an unpopular opinion. But I, really I tend to just her. not mind them. I'm like, yeah. I wouldn't be in love with them, but I don't need to be in love with them. Because <laughs> they are, and that's really what matters. Yeah, I find her an interesting character. The thing that does drive me nuts throughout these books is how many times we get to hear about her scent being lilac and gooseberries. It's like, is it? You haven't mentioned in a page. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I noticed too much. Yeah, we have somebody well, saying that's yeah, terrible. <laughs> I don't. You know what I think is interesting with all of these women and is I feel like people get angry sometimes that they they care more about themselves than about the men who are in love with them. I think that rubs people the wrong way. But I, I, I find it compelling. I, I my, I mean, that certainly might be part of it, but I feel like the reason that this is Sabatha, Yennefer and Denna is not really that so much as it is because of how obsessed the male main character is so it makes mm -hmm. it's like higher pressure on it's like well if she's like that amazing that like above <laughs> all other women of all time ever like through the ages songs should be sung it's like well she better freaking live up and then you're like everyone's like no woman no woman character could ever live up to like but that that's kind not of but, well yeah but like that's not what love is anyway i mean no I but the books set them all up as right. like the the one and only the omg yeah. like it, that's why people are like okay the the bar is raised and i don't agree that they meet this new higher bar you know yeah i just don't think they have to it's like that's not how things like that yeah work. well that's but, why for me yeah. it's like i agree i would not be obsessed with them however it does not bother me because mm -hmm. i am not obsessed but i am not i'm not Geralt. so like the story's not about me he's obsessed and it's important to his character that he is obsessed like almost yeah. no one is like understands why someone else is in love with like the person they're in love with like it's like mm -hmm. their thing you know so like yeah yep that's true Urza says she dumped a bath full of water on a poor passerby just because she felt like it yet yeah, is straight up mean I mean you know you know I, I and maybe maybe this is something this is a me thing, but I find it very satisfying to read about women like her because maybe because of growing up being expected to be nice all, all the time and feeling like you're supposed to be just because you're a woman. And so in even though, you know, I mean, like, I don't, I do try to be kind to people, but also I find it very satisfying in fiction to be read about women who are not nice. I don't yeah, know. but like I, I, so I said, like I don't, I don't really like Jennifer. I don't dislike Jennifer. I think she's interesting to read about, just like I think yeah. Gerald is interesting. Like Gerald is not a nice person either. Gerald does some questionable things. It's interesting mm -hmm. to read about. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally think that Jennifer, like the parts about Jennifer that bother me, are less. Um, oh, she did a mean thing because, like, yeah, mm -hmm. she does. She's she can be petty. She can be whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's less that and more just that, like. I just find her kind of dull in terms of like when they like are talking to each other, you know, like conversations with Yennefer. It's like mm -hmm. who she is, the choices she's made, the position she is in life. Like these things are interesting about her, but just like literally just like talking to her, like 
I don't, it's like a snooze fest to me. Like whenever she and Geralt are having conversations together, I'm just like a newborn babe. Like, <laughs> like don't care about whatever. Cause she's like, she'll be talking about some like elven stories that she's obsessed with. And like, kind of like when we like strip away all of that and we like are, are like the theme that we're trying to address here with this conversation might be interesting, but like the actual conversation is just like, I don't know. I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, Lilac and gooseberries, elven tales, you're amazing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that their conversations are, are riveting, but I'm not bothered by them. It's fine. They're fine. But yeah, I think she's an interesting character. The Okay, so with the balance of reason with the whole dragon thing, are we going to talk? How do we want to handle spoilers, I guess? Sirens. Oh, good sirens. <laughs> There's usually sirens in my area, but like right tonight, they're like all passing directly outside my window because like they're loud enough to be heard even when they're like a street over, but they're like passing right outside of my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah. So, well, I mean, the first story, like, is it? It felt the longest. Is it the longest? I'm not sure, but it did feel on the longer end it feels like it's like the entire book i'm like are there more stories in here (laughs) there are a few yeah (laughs) Yeah. but it Um, was it was an interesting one um so we're saying second book in the series spoilers should be a given fair enough yeah i mean we can do we can do spoilers jessica says i like yen because she sees through the bs she's lived a disabled life and now she's not but she still lives through with that life experience i doubt the author meant for that to come through yeah no, I I mean I think I think I, I see what you're saying. Spoil away. Yeah, all right. Well, I had forgotten that the dra- the golden dragon was a shapeshifter. Three jackdaws. Yeah, three jackdaws. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I was like, I know I saw this in the show, but it's been a minute and I didn't remember what happened. So but I thought that was that was kind of I I don't know. It was interesting. Well, I think it's also it it having a story where it's like even the monster hunter is like, well, these monsters are real, but that one, ha ha ha, that's obviously myth and legend. Those right. don't exist, you nincompoop. Like that's like mm-hmm. done in a lot of stories where like just like as a joke where it's like we've accepted magical, you know, it's like a story about vampires and werewolves and somebody's like, what about right. fairies? And they're like, fairies? No. Oh, don't make me laugh. Like, there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. And so then yeah. like, we have that where like Geralt is like, sure, there's dragons, but golden dragons, golden people dragons. just wishing and dreaming. So mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, having the twist that like, oh, actually there is a golden dragon. It's like, they could just leave it at that. But the fact mm-hmm. that it, there's like a, the fact that it's a shapeshifter is the reason why you would not know that they're real. Why like right. you would continue on thinking that like, that's just a myth because right. they would just shapeshift and you would not know. Yep. And he's got his ladies along with him. <laughs> he's quite a character. He is indeed. And then there's the whole conversation of like, why would you turn into a man if you're a woman like the, to the dragon? Like when mm-hmm. she takes, form she's three jack dots the dude and there's the whole conversation about dragon kind finding men repulsive but like she doesn't really yeah i i don't know if it's trying to say something about gender but i just kind of it was i'm I'm not sure what (laughs) 
was it was interesting though. I liked him explaining the bit about how the color of the dragons were off and all that. I'm not sure specifically what this is referring to, but um but I did oh, do you mean the 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 idea that like the green dragons are actually gray? Because that I thought was kind of entertaining. That they're technically green dragons, but they look gray. Yeah, exactly. Green dragons are not really green. Yeah, that was... Many things are apparently not what they're said to be or what they seem. Although, I mean, we do that, like... Um, what, what? I always forget, because, like, it's different in Latvian. But um, what do you call the cabbage that's not green? What color do you say that it is? Red. Okay, yeah. And red cabbage is not red. And in Latvian, it's blue cabbage. And the reality is, it's blue mixed with red is the actual color of that cabbage. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. That's, yep. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, I think those were pretty much like my notes on that was golden dragon shapeshifter, yen infertility. I feel like that was the big thing. And it seems to jump around in timelines because at that point, Yennefer and Geralt are not in a good place with each other. And then we sort of jump back to, I guess, earlier when they are together. I I don't know. I'm not sure where the timeline of these stories fits. Yeah, that's why the show was like, people were like, how are you going to do this? And then they like, tried to make it more linear but also didn't and yeah. it just made it even messier <laughs> it was a little confusing but i mean yeah. it does usually like give us con like a uh, um even like it jumps it throws you into some random part of the timeline but it's very clear from how they talk like why he and jennifer are at odds you know they'll like Mm -hmm. say enough to where you're like oh okay so they were living together and then he left and then like that pissed her off somehow so right like it gives you information yeah it's just they're out of order i don't know why that was the choice but to keep it spicy I guess so. I guess that is the main thing about this is the 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 arrangement of the stories in this book does feel kind of random. I mean, it feels pretty random in The Last Wish as well. Yeah, I guess so. But at least there's that's why I don't I do like that it has kind of a central story that is tying everything together in The Last Wish. In The Last Wish. The like framing narrative the framing narrative yeah because it makes it feel a little bit more cohesive whereas this is just kind of throw this here and there yeah i think part of maybe the reason why it does that i don't know how successful it is is because of how much um in general the series um wants to talk about fate and destiny and things like that and so by showing Mm. you things out of order makes you like if you just told it linearly you wouldn't necessarily see the threads of fate but when you know the Mm. future and now we jump back and you're like oh this is why later this became a thing so then you can like identify the paths of fate because you've seen the outcome if that makes sense yeah that makes sense i think yeah that's uh that's interesting because we definitely get several a few different characters where we're meeting them at different periods 
or different moments that seem significant and yeah i mean just in the way that siri is introduced right like i think we have that out of order for a reason so that mm -hmm. when we do jump back in time we have the foreknowledge to recognize what's happened in that right. earlier story yeah yeah um anything else on the first story I felt like we had moved on from the first story already. Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure. So number two was a shard of ice. So I think we're jumping back in time with this. Yennefer and Geralt are together, but then Eastreth, her other lover, shows up and like her him and he wants to fight Geralt over her, and then she leaves them both. I remember <laughs> the first time I read that story, I was so certain that when He's like, so then we meet tomorrow, right? There is no other way. We have to meet, right? We have to do this. We have to blah, blah, blah. And Geralt keeps going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, I was so sure that Geralt would just ghost him and be like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't play by your rules. Geralt, you know, mm -hmm. Jennifer's her own person. But then he did show up. But then he kind of did what I expected was to be like, no, I don't play by your rules. Like, I was like, Geralt, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing right now? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean... I think to me it makes sense that Yen was just sort of like, uh, yeah, no, okay, bye. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing other things. I don't know because I she she is not the kind of person who's going to be possessed by somebody. I'm like, why are you fighting over her? Like, no well, one's gonna like, win her. What's his? That's what he says too. Was his name not Gerald? The other dude, um, Eastreth. Yep, that guy. Um. The names in the series are a lot. They um, are. I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he's like, so we have to fight. That's non-negotiable. But we also both understand that as soon as we do fight, we've both lost her and neither of us can have her. Because once we've like killed the other one, she won't want either of us. So it's right. just like, men What's are... <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing this? I, well, like, why why is it this all or nothing sort of thing? And I think that's the thing. Like, Geralt is able to just sort of live in that gray space with her. Whereas Eastreth is like, no, I must, she must be mine or there must be nothing. And I, I think that's something. But There's also, like, it's not, like, the same thing as playing with timelines, but, like, in that story we hear the way he insults Geralt and the way that Geralt is mad about being insulted but then when he goes to talk to Yennefer he parrots those same insults and is talking about himself and Yennefer is like no you're all wrong that's not true um what do you think of like what do you think the story was trying to do by doing that that specifically um i I don't know. I think maybe it's something about him projecting his own insecurities onto other people. I But he's talking about himself. Like, if boyfriend man is like, you're a mutant, you have no feelings, therefore even talking to you about your feelings is a moot point because you do not have them and you have to agree with me about this because you know that it is true. And whatever right. you consider to be feelings is just like some like you know, uh, vestigial structure. Um, and, and Geralt is like, screw you. You don't know anything about me. You don't have any right to talk about my feelings. But then he right. goes to talk to Yennefer and Yennefer is like, whatever. And he's like, what? I have no feelings. I'm a mutant. It's, I don't, I'm not oh, capable right, of feelings. Right, 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 right. And it's literally, and he's just parroting what he just heard as insults. And it's like, 
I can't tell, honestly, reading that, if we're meant to think that Geralt is internalized this and does feel this way, or if he's just, like, looking for validation. He's like, I know that's not true. I know. I'm going to say it. I'm going to pout about it. And then have Yennefer be like, no, baby, that's not true. You do have feelings. Because that's a little bit how it read to me. But I'm not sure I was meant to read it that way. I I took it as you know, as as much as to Eastreth, he doesn't want to admit it, that that is a fear he has and that he was kind of triggered by that to a certain extent and is like, Carol, yeah, so good like... point. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> like, okay, but really, he can't be yeah, triggered, Bethany. He doesn't have feelings. It's not possible to trigger him. <laughs> Yennefer would disagree. Lilac he has feelings. Lilac and Gooseberry is a trigger for him. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah, no, I don't know. I I think that it probably is something that he's afraid about, afraid of, and insecure about. Is at least how I read it. But Yennefer is sort of like, dude, get it together. Why would I be with you if I thought you didn't have feelings? I don't know. I think it's I think it's interesting. This is accurate. Geralt having some trauma would be justify yeah i mean yes given his background it would be very justified arla says i think the author was trying to say that it isn't the man who decides so both men were painted to be idiots in different ways i i, I think there is an argument to be made there. i, I, I mean i do think the men scene, got a men <laughs> excuse me i do think that that scene was trying to do that but i was just like Mm-hmm. reading Geralt's character like it didn't really seem super consistent with Geralt's character that he would agree to a duel over Yennefer you know what no. I mean no it seems strange but she she does make him a Goose little bit brings all the voice to the yard that's a good comment yes <laughs> at least in this series oh man so funny yeah people kind of like lose their shit over her it seems like and i do think it's interesting they're both magical in different ways because he was a like a sorcerer or something and i i don't know it's like yennefer yennefer i, I mean i guess she she's polyamorous well, she just so- can't be contained to one person <laughs> But it's stories like this one, I think, that make people dislike Yennefer. And again, it's not because she did anything other than, you know, like have multiple boyfriends. It's the fact that these two men are so obsessed with her that they'll fight to the death over her, even though they're not going to get her. You know, it's, it's, and when you're like her, you're like arrested development. You're like her. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> but you know what? People have been doing this forever. Like, is anybody worth fighting to the death like this over? I mean, I am, but you're right. Most, most are not. I mean, like, just like either because, well, and here's the problem with it is like, it's not even the worth thing. It's the, if you're fighting to the death over a woman that is taking away her agency. Yeah, to I know. But I'm saying for, as to why people like why Yennefer rubs people the wrong way. It's because right. the narrative paints her as this like woman that men just lose their minds over that. She's just right. the, like the most covetable female. And people are like, she's not that great. But I just, I, I kind of feel like maybe that's the point because this is a thing that some men do. And the whole point of it is that she's like, yeah, no, I am my own person. You can't 
do I don't know I I don't disagree that the narrative is trying to do that I'm saying but this is why this gets this kind of reaction it's not that anyone particularly dislikes Yennefer more than other female characters it's that the narrative paints her as being better than most female characters or at least more desirable and so people are like well I wouldn't have been annoyed with her if she was just a character but you're telling me that every man loses his mind over her they're like I'm not losing my mind over her (laughs) like is the reaction you know what I mean She's like, it's like a, like a Helen situation. Of Troy? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're right to feel that way. I'm saying that's why it elicits that response. Where I, like, I, there's other female characters in books that are, that are sexually liberated, that might be yeah. selfish, that might be independent, all these things that also apply to Jennifer, Denna, and, right. and Sabatha. The reason these three, though, get the dislike is because the narrative is painting them as you know, the best. And you're like, well, she can be a character, but if you're telling me she's the best, um, I, you know, I disagree. <laughs> I guess. I, I Part of me feels, though, like there maybe is an element of misogyny to it sometimes because it could also be, okay, if, if she's perceived as the best and these men are that into her, she should be worthy of it she should treat them better or something I don't know that's like the vibe I get maybe not from everybody but at least from some people yeah I mean like I said that's why my response to it always is that I don't like I'm not in love with them I don't need to be it's about how these men are in love with them that's important to their characters but like I don't I don't not get that in in any book right where you're like um, you have there's the book builds and builds and builds to say that like this place is the most beautiful place in the world or that this song is the most beautiful song in the world or yeah. that like you know the, whatever it is that you're building up and saying that this is the one that like people lose their minds over mm-hmm. like you're gonna have to pay it off and that's where like um on a completely unrelated note but it's the exact same thing um when I read Daisy Jones and the Six which I really really love the book but there's so many it's you know it's about this rock band that's fictional but so then we go through all these moments of like and that song, you know, as soon as people heard it on the radio, everyone like remembered where they were when they heard it or like, oh, that cover of that magazine. And you can say all that in a book. But I was like, man, if they ever adapt this, they're going to have to come up with a magazine cover, come up with a song, like come up with things where people actually mm-hmm. agree. Like, Yes, this song is all those legendary things that you're telling me that it is in a book. You can just say that it is. So it's like right. that kind of a thing where like you've promised big. So like Dana. Sabatha, Yennefer, mm-hmm. like you've promised big. <laughs> like, okay, you better deliver. <laughs> I guess it's interesting. Although there's this, Arliss agree with this. There's no possible way Helen was all that, but blaming a fight or a war on a woman does seem like misogyny. I mean, yeah, I think ex- exactly. This is kind of how I feel. But um, let's see. Geralt could have just trusted Yen. On the other hand, she did spend the morning with the other dude while with Geralt. I mean, yes, but I don't know that she was pretending to be something other than she was. I Like, she doesn't strike me as somebody who was like, yeah, I'm going to pledge to be in a monogamous relationship. But if she's not telling people that she's doing this, then it's maybe assuming. You know what I mean? It's still being yeah. deceitful. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because, like, if a man is sleeping around and doesn't tell a woman, like, don't we usually say, hey... He's like, you know, he's being deceitful. He's using right. Her. Yeah, I guess it's hard to know in the context of this story how long they've been together, you know, and like how much of a ongoing relationship it's been. So I'm, I'm, I feel like I lack context to know for sure how to talk about it. But yeah, 
there's okay we already saw that um, yeah i mean like the narrative certainly doesn't say yennefer is to blame for this and it also doesn't say that Geralt is to blame for this like it just paints a messy situation of adults being messy with each other and you're like all y'all are crazy I mean yeah well and Geralt isn't even that bothered by it it seems like he's like all right well (laughs) I mean that conversation that Geralt has with what's his face he will be just what's his face I'm not gonna say his name um like it does seem like Geralt's like whatever she can do whatever she wants and the more this guy's like no but she is mine and she knew me before and Geralt's like whatever it's fine and then he keeps pushing him and Geralt's like fine well you know what she was effing me so maybe I do have a claim and he's like oh but she was actually effing me this morning so (laughs) she's actually mine so it's like they're like egging each other on yeah yeah yep um so the next story moving on is uh eternal flame and Oh, what did I? I didn't say much about this in my thing. I just said mimic. <laughs> That's the one with the the guy the the like the shapeshifter. That, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. That it was funny. Where we got to see um, lots of in universe racism or like speciesism. Yes. Yeah, we we got quite a bit of that, which I thought was interesting. The way Geralt responded to that because and and this is where we get sort of his take on what is a monster and what's not a monster and a a case where there's a conflict between him and what the what officials think is monstrous dodo yes (laughs) that was the mimic but as Urza also points out the story we just moved on from like that guy was Mm. like trying to make Geralt's like complicit in his suicide in his suicide and Gerald was like go handle your business somewhere else don't involve other people in your mess yep go Geralt (laughs) he just couldn't handle the pain of not being the only one like listen like Yen really this is the dude you want to string along (laughs) okay but anyway Um, yeah moving on (laughs) Mm-hmm. yes but the mimic was entertaining it's i feel like they... the mimic one is um it's just a breath of fresh air after how like um up their own asses Geralt and what's his face were in the previous story just like on and on and on about like who gets her and what does it mean and neither of us can ever have her and like i must kill myself and he's like but you know you're... like it's just very like yeah. It's just very that. And it was just refreshing to be like, here's a shapeshifter. And there's a guy frustrated. He's like, hey, he stole all my money because he took my shape. And it was just like very like the op <laughs> if there's an opposite, it was the exact opposite <laughs> of the previous story. Yeah. I well, it was I think it was also kind of funny too, because it shows how convoluted markets can be, which I, I kind of enjoyed that it turns from like oh I spent all this money on all of these things and yet because of how everything like came together it ended up being a brilliant way to actually make a ton of money and I like that Geralt's solution to this was to find a way for him to live safely among people instead of treating him like a monster 
But regarding the markets, like I think it's stuff like that in these books in general that makes the world feel fleshed out and lived in. Where like there's so many like fantasy films, TV shows, and books where it feels like, well, there is this one market with this one stall and this one merchant because they were needed for this scene. And there yeah. is nothing outside of that. Yeah. And here, because of like this like brief like slice of the interconnected, super complicated economy, that it feels makes the world feel lived in and real. Yeah. And you know, the title of it, Eternal Flame, is what that ties into, right? Because it ends up being like expired oil and string that's going to be used to keep the eternal flame for this religious order going and they're going to need it because of things happening in the wider economy um so just it was it was funny it was interesting though that they take on the some of the personality traits of the person that they're mimicking and then it turns out at the end oh go ahead go ahead and then that it turns yeah and then that it turns out at the end that this wasn't the only one that they had been slowly infiltrating different positions in the city. These things. I would say like, it's not just that they have some personality traits as Geralt makes like abundantly clear when the guy's freaking out. He was like, he is you right now in every way. He's not just like doing a good job imitating you. He is you. He has your memories. He has your thoughts. He has your personality. And that's when the guy's like, well, if he really had been me, then he would have made a great business deal. And it's like, well, he did. Well, he did. It was you. And so then when we have it turned on Geralt and he turns into Geralt um, yeah. and then Geralt's all like, but I'm special. And it's like, <laughs> you could never actually fully be me. And it's like, <laughs> okay. okay. Speaking of Geralt, the snowflake. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought that was funny. I think they did some of that in the show as well. Right. Of like Geralt fighting himself, which is kind of entertaining. This one was confusing with all the back and forth merchant stuff, Urza says. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Arliss said, I love the look into the economy. Same. There's one fruit seller so the protagonist can dramatically crash into watermelons. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Oh, yes, Matt. Currently seeking an amorphous blob to handle my personal finances. Same. Sounds like an excellent idea. Let them just take over. And Urza says, I took that to mean you can't mimic the mutations Geralt has. Maybe. I took that to mean that Geralt is just real special. That's also very possible. (laughs) I don't know, but this was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was a good breather after the melodrama. Of the yeah. previous melodrama is the word. Yes. For the previous one. There was a lot of melodrama. And I think that's why, yeah, when I said I don't really like Jennifer that much, like um, like I like the fact of her or the witch she represents or the the whatever, but like actually having her on page, I don't really mm-hmm. like because it's almost always really melodramatic. I like melodrama on page, so I don't mind it. I think it's fun. <laughs> Like well, honestly, when most of the characters are like, "Ugh, don't talk, don't let Geralt talk about Yennefer," I'm like, "For real, don't let Geralt talk about Yennefer." <laughs> Listen, I love the the melodrama; it's it's great. Uh, I am, next- in fact, Dandelion out there being like, "Whatever, <laughs> just like have a night, go love each other. Who cares? Who cares? Whatever." Oh man. The next story I thought was fun from a fairy tale perspective. 
a little sacrifice. This was the one with the mermaid. The way that the narrator sings the her, yeah. her speech. Yeah. It's, uh, it's that was, it was funny. <laughs> but I thought this was cool, right? Because it was sort of this, you know, nobody nobody wants to hear the truth. You write a song to move people and kind of subverting like what actually happened with I just thought the whole thing with the mermaid was funny. He's like, oh yes. No, she'll go to land and turn into Sifo, you know, like the little mermaid story. And Carol's like, why would she do that? <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah, this was the most return to form on fairy tales. It's the most similar to The Last Wish. Yes. yes. But we did have some no means yes in it, which was, we love to see it. Mm. Yeah. There's a bit of that. Essie or one eye was or blue eye, was it one eye or blue eye or big big eye it was something eye she had like a big big blue eyes and her hair was always in front of one of them little eye i think it's little eye let me know anyway um but i i don't know what to think about her i was i Dandelion said she was like a little sister, but I got the vibes that secretly Dandelion was maybe actually in love with her. Anybody else get that? I mean, Dandelion will fucking need to move, so I mean, that he's considered it where she's concerned, I'm sure he has. I mean, yeah. But beyond that, he seemed kind of jealous of her connection with Geralt. I feel like. I didn't really get that feeling, but Maybe. Okay, maybe. He did mostly... say he wasn't into her, but I didn't believe I mostly got the sense of Dandelion. On. I don't know. <laughs> I mostly felt like Dandelion, like me, is just frustrated with Geralt. And he's yeah. like, just freaking bang her. It's fine. It's really fine. <laughs> <laughs> but then she was like too into him, and Geralt has this moment of being like, Oh no, is this what Yennefer feels like when I'm like obsessed with her? Shoot. Yeah, but again, she's like leaning away from him and is like not interested. And it turns out it's because she's too in love with him. And it's like yeah. okay. <laughs> she oh. seemed very she seemed very young. And then of course she has a tragic end to her. Which, I mean her. Like, this is a step back from feminism. We have a girl who's, like, leaning away and is like, oh, no, but it's because I'm too in love with you. And then the end of her, she's like, I guess he'll, like, he'll have a little sacrifice of, like, banging me out of pity. And then my future that is just quickly summed up for you is that I die. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> yeah. Why was that her arc? Yeah. I... I don't know. I it was confusing too because the whole the whole little sacrifice theme was also connected to the mermaid where the dude says he was in love with the mermaid but refused to do anything to sacri like sacrifice anything for the sake of that relationship. And so it was this it, it was a weird dichotomy. Which I did love right? Geralt's not accurate translations of what was being said when he was yeah, like that was funny. here's the gist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, but it, 
it, it's like on the one hand, we've got the little sacrifice that's actually that like, well, yes, for love, sometimes you do have to make small sacrifices. But then it's used in this really weird way with uh, Essie and Geralt and stuff and this idea of like, oh, well, you sh if you just care enough about somebody, love aside, you could sacrifice to make them feel better or something. I don't know. That was weird. I mean, Geralt being like, I can sleep with her. Just a little sacrifice. And it's just like, oh, how noble of you. Yeah, I don't know. That was interesting. Um, Jessica said, no, it was more like he's known her almost her entire life. Maybe I was the only one getting those those vibes. <laughs> I mean, Dandelion is, is a certified creep, but like not about Essie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jessica loved the ending of this one. I liked the, like, we write stories and we write songs to, like, mm -hmm. inspire people and the truth is not really relevant. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't understand why Essie already, like, this, like, kind of, like, pathetically treated character through the actual events of the story then her end is that she dies miserably i was just like was that necessary yeah i don't know what the deal with that was she was just a weird character in general because hadn't it also been the case that she had plagiarized dandelion's songs i don't know it was just there was there was a lot of weird things happening but i did like the that concept of the truth versus writing songs to move people i also loved when the mermaid was like, well, he should come and live in the sea if he loves me. And Geralt's like, he can't breathe. Can't breathe. He literally can't <laughs> breathe. And she's like, whatever. And he's like, you're not being reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Neither of them really were. So, you know, it is whatever. Um, it's just like imagining Geralt as your marriage counselor. Because <laughs> that's kind of, he's doing couples counseling there, basically. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> And uh, the guy gets mad at him because he's like, we were doing just fine when we couldn't understand each other. You had to come here and, like, make us understand translate. each other. And that ruined everything. <laughs> yep. We are, we still have two more to talk about. And we're at, like, 49 minutes. Wow. Okay. So, the Sword of Destiny, we get introduced to Siri. That's the name of the book. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the two-edged sword of destiny um and we get introduced to the dryads because that's where she is we get introduced to precocious little siri with gruff Geralt, which is the best thing in the witcher series and it I'm is so mad the show didn't have that it is very adorable she's funny yes <laughs> Hey, that's the name of the thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. Thoughts on this? It was interesting, the whole thing with the dryads, that they have trouble reproducing. So they were taking girls or having girls that were sickly given to them that they somehow change to make them into dryads. Yeah, well, the dude being like, oh, I have to stay here and help them breed? Oh, no. Oh, calamity. I guess I can help out. <laughs> How terrible. Yeah. And clearly Geralt has been that down that road before. Geralt was like, no, my dude. It's not what you think. It's not going to be like. It's not going to be 
fun. Shangri-La. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think is kind of an interesting reversal to a certain extent. Yes. They stole girls to make them dryads. This is one of the stories that show there isn't any good guys. Yeah. I would agree with that. Certainly not in this story. And yes, the dryad queen was kind of scary. Accurate. And it's a, once again an instance of people being like, this is how it has to be, Geralt. Mm -hmm. And he's like, nope. Guess what? Nope. Mm -hmm. They're like, it's your destiny. You have to do this. This is how it has to be. And he's like, sucks <laughs> <laughs> like destiny what destiny <laughs> yeah but of course you know he's he's gonna take care of siri when she needs it so yeah siri we get a someone. little she is cute and yeah, has like, like this... that I'm a yeah she also has, you know, these visions, which I suspect a we're child of the elder blood. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I love how this whole series is about getting rid of disability by turning girls into other things. I mean, that is kind of true, Jessica. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> Triad breeding farm for the next readle. <laughs> like the erotica spinoff of the Witcher series. <laughs> there is lots and lots and lots of sexy times in the Witcher books. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like theory. I was going to say something and I Thoughts on Siri. She's series kind of important for the series so thought, mm -hmm. initial impressions i mean i like her but i think she's gonna be trouble she's already trouble yeah i mean yeah she's a princess yes <laughs> nothing but trouble <laughs> but i think she's gonna continue to be trouble and um i don't know i think seeing her relationship with Geralt is is kind of fun because he's grumpy but takes care of her and we also get a little bit of insight maybe into what it takes to become a witcher because that seems to be the possible path for her is and and we know that a lot of kids don't don't survive the trials to become a witcher. but girls are never taken to be witchers. right but maybe she will be well he's got nowhere else to bring her right that's home base but I mean, to be a witcher isn't just to be like living among them and training among them. It's like all the um, the like dangerous elixirs mm -hmm. that are given to them that they may not survive. Right. So that is what it is to be a witcher. Yes. And yes, that's the trail, trial of the grasses is brutal. They mentioned that, that a lot of people don't survive it, which I think is what, which I guess we find out in the last story, something more where... Um, Siri's grandmother is scared and doesn't want that to happen to her. Well, in general, I mean, from the first Which time we sense. saw, um, when we saw 
Queen Calanthe in The Last Wish. She was like, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing any of what you say. I don't care what... I mean, she's kind of like Geralt in that. She's like, screw fate, screw destiny, screw promises. I say no to all of this. And so, I mean, in that sense, she and Geralt got along because even in this story, she's like, you've come here to claim what's yours finally. Mm -hmm. And Geralt's like, you know, you could just ask me to not. And I, you know, honestly, I would not. She's like, I have to ask. And he's like, (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm not interested, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, and the, oh, 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 oh. the other note I had here that I thought was really interesting from that last story is the information we get about. Sort of destiny. I mean, did you have, I don't know. I mean, we can talk about both. I feel like they kind of go together a bit because they're the two all that the deal with Siri. Together. They're all well, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> Plus we're close to an hour. So, you know. Um, I mean, that we should talk about Geralt's mother. That's what I was about to say. Yes. Is Geralt's mother. That was a big, which they haven't touched on that in the show. I don't think. At least they that did. I. Did they? Yeah. Okay, maybe I just missed it. But I thought it was so interesting that she's a sorceress who are supposed to be infertile. So how did his mother have a baby? Also, I feel like, does my big question is, does Yennefer know that Geralt's mother was a sorceress? And if so... Well, also, earlier in the book, someone says something about when they're about sorceresses being infertile. And Geralt's like, well, I know for a fact that they aren't all infertile. And then later, at the end of the book, is when we see his mother. Which is another one of those, like, you know to look for it because it's told out of order. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just curious why his mother isn't and who his father was and what... I I want more information. Well, also, like, when he's like, you just abandoned me and, like, nothing of mine is even yours. Like, you gave me to these dudes who gave me my name and my life. Mm -hmm. And she's like, they didn't give you your name. I give you your name. Yeah. But you won't remember this conversation come the morning. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. I just want to know more is basically that that story left me with questions I, I... the entire witcher series is about fate and destiny mm-hmm. so we've heard it mentioned here and there here and especially there. here <laughs> yes child yes. of the elder blood the sword of destiny mm-hmm. Geralt she is your destiny yes also um... the fact that they were there was that like um, sort of prophetic moment with like Geralt and Yennefer were made for each other, but nothing will come of it. Okay. Yeah. Urza says the big part for me in this last one is the memorial on Sodden Hill. I don't remember this. <laughs> I just read this recently. Why is this not? Well, I don't think it stands this? out unless you know the story. So okay. like, yeah. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts before we move on to uh, on my radar? Just looking forward to the main series up until the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading the first full um 
full-length novel. It'll be interesting. Well, not no. next month, though, for anybody wondering. We're not, we're taking a break for March, and then we'll pick back up in April. And uh, actually, the episode we're doing at the end of March is not going to be book-related. I know. <laughs> We're going to be talking about a television show, which should be fun. We're going to talk about Andor, the Star Wars show on Disney Plus. And we have a guest coming, so it'll be fun. Have you seen Young Frankenstein? Part of it. The Mel Brooks movie. Part of it, not the whole thing. Just all this talk about Destiny and Geralt refusing it always makes me think of the scene in Young Frankenstein when he's like in bed and having a nightmare and he's like rolling like like around like terrified of his nightmare going destiny destiny no escaping that for me destiny destiny <laughs> and like Frankenstein has like white hair and he looks kind of cuckoo it's totally Geralt mm -hmm. yep Urza yes you should definitely watch Andor you have time you have until the last Tuesday it's of the March. game of thrones of star wars it's so good it's not boring and it has interesting politics and like characters. Game of Thrones. Yeah, I have not that I've seen Game of Thrones, but uh, yes, exactly. So go watch Andor if you want to join in; it'll be fun. Um, but our next, our our direct next episode is going to be talking about Persuasion by Jane Austen, the book and the Netflix adaptation, and we will also have a guest for that. So it'll be me and Izzy, maybe Liana to to be determined and then another guest so it should be fun um is it also fantasy as it ought to be written well sure okay it's it's a good show though i liked it um so we're gonna move into on on my radar where we'll talk about recent and upcoming releases in science fiction and fantasy i don't know if liana has anything for this but i have lots <laughs> but if you enjoy the podcast we take a, we would appreciate if you take a moment to rate and review us so we can continue to reach more listeners and if you're interested in getting early access to episodes as well as exclusive bonus content with every episode consider supporting us on patreon and toss a coin to your hosts did it twice see um thank you to, to all like, of rewrite our the entire patrons. song but reword it with patreon words and then that would be it. excellent maybe we could do it as like our intro video for <laughs> get, a, for get one of those poofy hats like dandelion has Love it. Love it. Um, thank you, though, to all of our supporting patrons, including our world-expanding patrons, Trina and Stephanie. You all make what we do possible. Thank you so much. And uh, we mentioned the bonus content. We'll be talking about... Monsters oh, and monstrousness. Monsters and monstrousness. I didn't write it down, and my brain is like, it's 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> hey. Uh, okay, so I do have books that are coming out this month or recently that I'm excited about. The Last Tale of the Flower Bride by Roshni Chakshi has been a polarizing one. I really, really loved it. It is her first adult novel, and it is a gothic sort of fairy tale fantasy thing. It's loosely a gender-flipped retelling of Bluebeard, but also doing some other things. 
I loved it, but it is a lot of vibes, like lots, lots of vibes and atmosphere, but I was a fan. Uh, also, we have A Day of Fallen Night by Samantha Shannon, which is a prequel to The Priory of the Orange Tree, and it looks like a behemoth of a book, but I really liked Priory of the Orange Tree, and I want to... Priory was so more. short, so you can see why so you really short. want to expand on that. Yeah. I think this one might be even longer than Priory, which is saying something because, yeah. Uh, also, The Cage of Dark Hours by Marina Lostetter is the second book in a fantasy series that's kind of like murder mystery plus fantasy in another world. And the second book is interesting because it has a cult that kidnaps children and raises them in abusive ways for magic reasons <laughs> so it's it's interesting so it's the dryads yeah it is a little bit but worse <laughs> than the dryads oh no jessica priory can kick all the rocks i loved priory but i i know you were not a fan that's okay delicious monsters by lizelle sambury came out today it is a upper ya horror novel that I really liked. It's also got a bit of gothic vibes. There's a haunted estate in Is northern YA Canada. YA a category between YA and new adult? I New adult is not technically a thing. When I say upper YA, it's, it's YA, but it's for older, like 16, 17 and up, not 13, 14. How many, how granular can we get with our categories? They do this, though. If you look at it, it'll tell you the age, recommended age range. And there are YA books that have higher recommended ages. So this one is, it's a more intense one, but I, I was a fan of it. And I, there's like so many books coming out. I, yeah. The Adventures of Amina El-Sarafi by S.A. Chakraborty. That's also book very of good. Month. Yeah. Did you get it? Oh, I'm excited That's to see what you think. Yeah. Cool. I am dreading it a little bit because I didn't like City of Brass. And... It's pretty Just different me. from City of Brass. It's got like a, a middle-aged mother who had retired from being a smuggler who, for reasons to protect her daughter, has to go back out on the sea seas again, the high seas, and is... Um, discovers that the not human ex-husband who she thought was dead is not actually dead. <laughs> they have a very complicated relationship. It was fun and it's drawing on Middle Eastern history. It's a pretty good time. So yeah. And then I guess the last one I'll mention is The Crane Husband by Kelly Barnhill, which is a retelling of the crane wife it's a novella that is dealing with domestic violence but through the eyes of a the teen daughter of her she's watching her mom become the victim of domestic abuse but then with this sort of fairy tale magical realism overlay also quite dark but good so yeah lots of things Go check them out. They're all linked either below in the video description or in the show notes. Thank you for joining us. And I will be back March 14th to discuss persuasion 
with Izzy, maybe Liana, and also <laughs> Alexa Dunn is going to be joining us as well. So I think it'll be fun. Again, this has been Chapter 3 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Bethany and Liana. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Chapter 3 Podcast. And you can find us on our individual YouTube channels. And uh, yeah, we'll be back March 14th with Persuasion. And this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening.